There are two kinds of people in the world, generalists and specialists. There are two kinds of people in the world, those who make things complicated and those who make things simple. I hope I'm the latter. There really are only two kinds of people in the world. At least that's what I was led to believe growing up on the farm. There were those who drove red-colored tractors and those who only drove green ones. <laughs> and then there was my dad who drove red ones and orange ones. There are those people who only drive Fords and those who only drive Chevys. And those who won't drive either. And then there are those of us who only drive the best deal that they can find. There are two kinds of people in the world. Those who think there are two kinds of people in the world and those who don't. <laughs> well, there were these two men who went up to the temple to pray. One of them was a Pharisee and the other was a tax collector. The tax collector was, was a reject, a worse than a scoundrel, the rubble of humanity. I mean, he collaborated with the enemy, the government of Rome. And yet, he becomes the hero of the story. It's a shame, really, that one of two men was a Pharisee. It's a shame because it spoils the surprise ending. You see, when we hear the word Pharisee, we know right away who the villain is. To us, modern-day Christians, Pharisee is just the Bible word for bad guy. So if you have a story that starts out, there were two men, and one of them was a Pharisee, you don't even have to get to the end of the story to know who the hero is. The hero was whoever wasn't the Pharisee. The story could go, there were two guys. One of them was a Pharisee, and the other an axe murderer. And you'd know that in the end, somehow, the axe murderer is going to turn out not to be so bad. Oh sure, he might be this crazed serial killer, but at least he's not a Pharisee. <laughs> Pharisees to our ears are worse than everybody. But that's not how it sounded to the people to whom Jesus first told this little story over 2,000 years ago. The Pharisees, to be fair, were actually pretty good people. They did everything right. They followed the law of God to a T. We struggle with the daunting job of keeping the Ten Commandments. Well, the Pharisees went way beyond that. They dug to the Old Testament from Genesis all the way to Malachi and found a whopping 613 commandments. They found 613 commandments and they kept every single one of them. They went all out to do everything that God asked them to do and to show how serious they were, how devoted. They even went further than God asked them. <clears throat> I mean, the Bible says, don't take God's name in vain. Well, the Pharisees made sure that they never did, not even accidentally. They didn't even want to come close to breaking God's law. So they didn't say God's name at all, ever. <laughs> you can't break his name if you never say it. Don't boil a kid goat in its mother's milk. Well, just to be on the safe side, they wouldn't boil any goat meat in any milk or mix any meat of any kind with any dairy product at all, not even cheese. Can't be too careful. <laughs>
they studied God's law and they talked about God's law and kept all the rules. So this is not some evil gang of thugs we're talking about here. The Pharisees were righteous with a capital right. But then there are two kinds of people. There are those who think they've arrived and those who don't. So here is the Pharisee praying his famous prayer. God, I thank thee that I am not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I get. <laughs> now, our first response may, may be that this is, well, it's not such a bad prayer. <clears throat> it's not like the Pharisees were the riffraff of society and thank God for it. I mean, I'm thankful for the kind of values that have been instilled in me, aren't you? And so some of us could pray the Pharisee's prayer with at least some justification. But listen now to the prayer of the tax collector. <clears throat> Standing far off, he would, he would not even lift up his eyes to heaven, but he beat his chest saying, God be merciful to me, a sinner. I can almost see him, can't you? No illusions, no pretense. He knows what he is and what he's done. He's so ashamed that he, he can't even look towards heaven. And his prayer is an honest one. Be merciful to me, a sinner. Now Jesus said the tax collector went back to his house justified. But the Pharisee did not. But why? Because there are two kinds of people. There are those who look down on others and those who are thankful God doesn't look down on them. Jesus was speaking to a crowd who trusted in themselves that they were righteous, and so they despised others. These were the folks who thought that they'd already arrived, those who considered themselves part of the spiritual elite. They were the people who focused on the sins of others rather than their own. They're the people who need to prove that they are right. These are the people who desire to be served. And humble people are those who are willing to serve others. These are the people whose attitude is, you know, the church is really lucky to have me in it. <laughs> but the humble way is to say, I don't deserve to have any part in this ministry. Oh, how good of God to include me. Proud people keep others at arm's length. Humble people, well, they want to be vulnerable and close to others. Proud people in a conflict wait for the other person to apologize. Humble people take the initiative to reconcile, regardless of who is at fault and often apologize first. Proud people don't believe they need any transformation at all. They're just sure everybody else does. And humble people, well, they continually sense their needs for a fresh encounter with God. Yep, there are two kinds of people. Those who think they're better than everyone else and those who appreciate God's blessings in giving them a better life. For example, some of you may remember Joe Theismann. 
He was a quarterback years ago at Notre Dame and then professionally for the Washington Redskins. Now he's a successful broadcaster and speaker. And one day someone asked, back in his playing days, why a superstar like himself should have to hold the ball for field goals and points after touchdown. After all, he's a star quarterback. <laughs> well, said Theismann, if I didn't, the ball would fall over. <laughs> no false pride, no obnoxious pretense. Theismann understood his place in the whole scheme of things. He understood how blessed he was. And he recognized that it was only by God's grace that he had the position that he did. There's little hope for people who think that they have already arrived. One of the chief reasons that the medieval church put pride at the top of the list of the seven deadly sins is that pride causes us to look down on others. It's really a, a great temptation for deeply devout people. You see, one of the problems that people have as they seek to follow Christ is that the closer they draw to God, the more clearly they see the weaknesses of human nature. And so the great temptation of one who is trying to be a Christian is to be critical of those who don't yet share his Christian ideals. So, how to hate the wrong yet feel love and a tolerance for the, for the one who does wrong is a continuing problem that every Christian, you and me both, has to face. Because the problem doesn't grow less, it only grows greater as one's dedication to God increases. It's true, the Pharisee may have been superior to the tax collector in, in every way possible, but as soon as he began looking down his nose at the tax collector, it's all for naught. There are two kinds of people. There are those who know they still have room to grow, who know they have not yet arrived, who appreciate the blessings God has given them purely out of his grace. And then there are those who trust in themselves that they're righteous. And then they despise others. What a great text today for a sermon on justification by faith. These self-righteous folks didn't trust God for their salvation. No, they trusted in, in themselves and their good works. And well, a lot of people still do that. In the very first of his 95 theses, Martin Luther reminded all Christians that we are to rely on God, not on our own righteousness for our salvation. But how quickly we forget. Even Luther himself didn't do any better. Two decades after he had nailed his theses on the church door at Wittenberg, he still confessed that he at times felt the old dirt clinging to him of wanting to deal with God in such a way that he could contribute something to his own salvation. He still couldn't get it into his head that he was saved through sheer grace. And what was needed was a complete surrender of himself daily. To that grace. And so our Pharisee could not see that all his righteousness was like filthy rags, at least in the presence of the righteousness of God, because we can never be righteous enough to merit God's love, because that love 
is freely given. Those then who know themselves to be sinners know that we must depend on God. Well, that brings us to the last thing to be said. No matter what kind of a person we are, <laughs> we're all sinners. So let no one watching here brag before God about his righteousness. We don't have any. <laughs> let me give you a story to, to bring home the point. There was an amusing story in the newspapers recently about a man in, in Knoxville, Tennessee, who attempted to break into a convenience food store. <laughs> now the man slid down a roof air duct that also served as a vent for frying equipment in the store. And by the time he had gained entrance by this duct, well, <laughs> he's covered with, with grease and, and powdered with a fire retardant chemical that dries out the skin and throat and burns the eyes. And then, to make matters worse, when he tried to leave the store, he discovered that he couldn't get out through the deadbolt doors, and he couldn't climb up back the vent either. So, he's in prison. He's locked up. When the owner of the store opened the doors the next morning, well, the man raced out. But the owner recognized him under all that grease and powder, and he called the police. Not only was the burglar caught, but now he required medical attention for the effects of the powder as well. We may comfort ourselves that we are not covered with the grease and grime of thievery or adultery or murder or some other serious crime. And yet at the same time, we ignore the more subtle powder of pride and prejudice and neglect of the poor. None of us are righteous, no not one. And that's why we can take comfort in the fact that Jesus forgives sinners, no matter what kind of sinner we are. So a Pharisee and a tax collector went up to pray. One was a thief and a traitor. The other was one of the best people in town. But both were sinners. The Pharisee thought he had already arrived, so no further growth was possible. He looked down on those who were not as far along as he was. He depended on himself and his own good works rather than on the grace of God. A Pharisee and a tax collector. Both were sinners, but only one of them was aware of it. Fortunately, there is only one like Jesus who gave his life for all sinners. And so, my friends, there is hope for us Pharisees whose hearts need to be convicted to recognize that there's no righteousness of our own that counts before God. And there is hope for us tax collectors who are sometimes despised by others, but loved and forgiven by God. There are only two kinds of people in the world. Those who think there are two kinds of people in the world and those who don't. Thank God, Jesus died for us all. Amen.